Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Tuesday Topics. We are so glad to have everybody with us on this hot day in Jacksonville, Florida. We have most of our folks with us this evening, though not everyone. Uh, Marianne, how's the weather where you are? Hotter than Jacksonville. It is it. about 90 still. Mm-hmm. And it is 90, it's 91 here in Jacksonville, so you just barely won. Uh-huh. Mr. Rick, how is it in Massachusetts? Ah. Okay. Yes. I think I looked yes. at Boston's weather and it was 74 and dry. Oh. How nice is that? I know. And Mr. Larry, how is it for you? It is 89 degrees in Fullerton, California, and the humidity is 41%. Oh, that's not bad. Not bad. That's not bad. No. That's excellent. So because we're talking about the weather, it's probably clear that one of the things we're at least concerned about tonight is summer. Um, how How has climate change impacted your summer? Uh, Has it made a difference to the way you interact with life? Um, Does does the extreme heat that is that we're being experiencing um, all over the country translate into special difficulties for people who are blind? So those are some of our questions. So Brian, we need firsthand information on the weather in Boston, and welcome. Thank you. Sorry, I'm uh, running a little late. I came down mm-hmm. to sit in my chair where I normally sit, a lovely recliner, and it's just marvelous. I love it. And I realized I had left all kinds of old tech gear that I was sorting in. It was a painful experience to learn <laughs> from that part of your anatomy that you ain't sitting here, buddy. So nonetheless, here I am, and uh, it is 77 degrees and low humidity, which is a radical change from the weather that has been through our summer. We've had an odd summer. Have you had an odd summer where you are in terms of weather is doing different things than it normally would do? Well, we've had hot hotter every and there day. Have been more oh, thunderstorms. Mm-hmm. Yep, significantly more <laughs> thunderstorms. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, it it has not been fun. Mm-mm. No, we and we've had more than our share of that too and it seems like like somebody up there doesn't like me because it tends to happen on weekends you know yeah when when you're expecting to be you know outdoors and and doing your thing chilling out and that kind of stuff yeah so i got to paint a picture for you based on this whole discussion of weather the other day i threw a as as the charleston household does every summer a pool party for our local chapter of the Bay State Council of the Blind. It got a little out of hand in terms of the numbers. We expected 24, we got 36. So that's a lot of people to try to find a place to sit. Mm -hmm. Um, And in advance of this, we had purchased over the years some of those pop-up tents uh, Mm -hmm. so that people can be in the shade. Uh, And also whether, you know, uh, a little bit of rain, if that happens during it. Mm-hmm. One of them is uh, 10 feet by, tw- 
Yeah, 10 by 20. Another nice. one's 10 by 10. And another one just stays over the barbecue area. So I don't know its dimensions, but it's it's fine. Now imagine the day after the party. All those tents are up. And I decide to go have a one-on-one dip in the pool. So I get to the bottom of the steps from our upper deck to the lower pool area. And rumbling thunder happens in the distance. Says I, not going to scare me away. And I walk over to the pool area and I sit on the edge and I dangle my feet. And the first of the rain begins. And then I hear from my sister, move to your left. I don't think this is going to change the rain much, but fine. So I scoot to the left. She said, no, no, much farther to the left. So I move much farther to the left and I bump into one of the support poles for the tent. And she says, oh, here now. Now, what you need to do is wrap yourself around that pole and hold on for dear life because wind is a coming and that whole apparatus can become airborne very easily. <laughs> so I sat through a, what, 20 minute downpour and wind in which it was only because I was holding on to this pole for dear life that uh, the whole apparatus didn't become airborne and land in the neighbor's yard. So I have an intimate experience with <laughs> thunderstorms. Uh, did you? And of um, course, my sister videoed it. Did so you, she could did have you, this. <laughs> did, did you ask your neighbor <clears throat> to recognize the, what yeoman work you had done for, for him well, or her? Last, last year, it did go over the fence once. Oh, dear. And he helped me uh, fold it all back up and, and put it on a... Well, we we call them a two wheeler, you know. Uh, yep. And rolled it to the front of his property, and then onto the shoulders, and hauled it up back to my house. So, nonetheless, <laughs> thunderstorms have been an issue around these parts for a long time. But the the weather has either been incredibly warmer than it should, or incredibly wetter than it should or incredibly drier than it should be. It seems extremes whichever way you turn. We had less than four inches of snow this winter. That's, That's just amazing. not New England. That is just not New England. Anyway, I, I, I've, I've taken enough of your time. It's uh, time for me to let somebody else speak. Went to it's Orlando. Uh -huh. I went to Orlando last week and ended up <clears throat> ended up finding out that um, that one of the proposals that was being made for the conference that I was at was that uh, we would um, on the Thursday walk sort of six minutes to the nearest restaurant, which in fact turned out to be closed or 10 minutes to the next nearest restaurant. Um, and I essentially said, says I, um, you guys are welcome to do that. I will not. <laughs> um, I am perfectly content either to do without lunch or, or to, um, or to um, uh, postpone my appetite till supper, if that's what I need to do. So 
um, it's a it's an it it's an indication of just how hot it was in in Orlando. There wasn't very much breeze. That the, the sun was beating down during the morning, though. Again, in in Orlando by the afternoon, there were thunderstorms and rain, and by later in the evening, it became even rainier. So, it was not pretty. So, and how have things yeah. been going with Marianne and her summer weather? It's been very, very hot. It's 90 plus every single day with humidity in the 60s and 70s. So it's ungodly. Yep. Yes. <clears throat> Should be nicer Again. in Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's better. It's better so, there. Not, not necessarily good, but better. Weather, Brian, plays in, in your, such in your parties, in your parties yes. with all of these blind folks, did did you hear any comments about um, how people were reacting to the summer? Did did you get the impression that people felt this was pretty unusual? Or well, there was some talk of weather, but there was more. Again, the reason the party went from twenty four to thirty six was how incredibly important it was for people to be physically together. Uh, mm -hmm. in a social way you know they've they've all been you know involved with you know uh acb community or uh, zoom this or zoom that kind of activities mm -hmm. but i'm telling you they were very very happily engaged i the layout is five six person picnic tables um not end-to-end -end, but with a gap between, but side-by-side. Side. And normally when you, at least it's been my experience, when you're holding a, a blindness group kind of activity, people tend to sit down and stay seated uh, because they've kind of found their grounding point. Everything is relative to where they sit. Here, there was a lot more swapping around. People were getting up, going over to, uh, secure another burger or hot dog or whatever, but also wandering to not the place they were sitting, but a different place so that they could see more people. Uh, and, you know, that, that was a little different, loved it. It was what I'd hoped would happen, but there was so, more that reaching out <laughs> to actually engage in conversation that isn't something that's on the agenda. That there wasn't a, a fear of contact post-COVID that, that seemed to operate for your folks? Not a person there. One moment, let me double check this. Leslie, did anybody wear a mask? Not a single mask in the crowd. Very good. <clears throat> and no talk post-party about, you know, an onset of cold symptoms. Uh, right. That, anywhere that about. There were some folks who got sick at, at the ACB convention this summer, but I don't yeah. think I heard a lot of talk about COVID um, at, at, at ACB. Not, not no, as I, much talk as there is now, for instance, in, in, in Florida, about a, a new outbreak of COVID that appears to be happening here. Uh, well, again, I, I do believe that COVID at some level is going to be with us for yes 
for for some time for some time germs and 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 all that stuff mutate a lot i mean anybody who gets a summer cold knows you know just because you had a cold last time doesn't mean you're not going to have a cold again because the germs are not exactly the same as they were that last time so, so let's yeah, explore that let's explore together one more question and then we'll we'll start throwing it out for other people um but the one more question is uh, the weather has certainly been hot this year it it, it you know it in around the world truthfully um it's been the hottest year in 125,000 years according to some of wow. the statistics that i read from scientists they they say that it has not been this hot um since 125,000 years ago um which is pretty amazing but my question is um, it appears as though this is just the beginning of uh, what climate change, climate change will cause. Um, so do, do we expect that that climate change will have an impact on people who are blind? And if we if we think it will, what kind of what kind of expectations do we have about how blind people will be affected? Well, uh, to me, the, the first thing is that um, there's those that have the financial wherewithal to make life decisions based on their need versus yeah. how, how deep uh, the uh, checking account can go. Right. So poor people tend to suffer more than those with the cash to do otherwise. Um, so, and since we, as, um, a sub subgroup of society as a whole, uh, have a bigger chance of being listed in the list of poor people poorer people already, I make decisions based on what my wallet can handle relative to several things. One is I'd love to be in a paratransit bubble, if you will. Um, but you have, it's, it's a more expensive real estate. It's more expensive rent because you have access to public transportation and that just is part of the game. Um, so I'm already making decisions where my blindness has to do with where I live. So I expect that that will get even more, uh, part of, of the landscape. What do you think, Paul? Oh, well, I, th I certainly think I certainly think you're correct, and 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 we'll we'll get on to um, to, to, to Mary and Larry in a minute. Um, but uh, I think that one of the things that is that is likely to happen um, as climate change becomes worse is that I think we're going to see a larger migration of people from hotter to colder parts of the country. And I think when that happens, um, it will be the disadvantaged folks that will, that will end up remaining in, in the hot areas. And I think subject to lots of things that happen in hot areas like hurricanes, like um, 
thunderstorms, like lightning, like tornadoes. Um, so, so I think that there is a likelihood that poor people and blind people in that subcategory are going to uh, be in a situation where the maximum impact of climate change um, is likely to hit them because of the fact that they can't make choices um, and are and are forced to be where they are. I I also think that we haven't seriously enough considered uh, what some of the impacts of uh, climate change are going to be with regard to transportation if people are serious about um, lessening fossil fuel usage, and I think they are. Um, I think the question is, to what degree will mass transit vehicles become electric? They're available now, but to what extent are people going to be prepared to make the capital investment in communities uh, for a system that is primarily used by poorer folks rather than the rich and famous in the community? Mm -hmm. So I think those are questions that, that we have yet to answer. Ms. Marianne, any thoughts? Oh, yeah, I have a few thoughts. Um, a couple of things. First of all, as we get hit with more um, serious storms, I mean, as the weather is warmer, the storms will be bigger. Um, there, the storms like that are more difficult for our population to navigate. So when we had um, Hurricane Ian here, um, the day after, well, the, the storm itself was bad. I mean, we didn't know if things were flying around the house, right? Um, the day after was really scary because had no idea if there were lines down, if we could get out of our house safely, um, had no way of, um, there was no transportation running whatsoever. There was no Uber, there were no paratransit, so no way to get to grocery stores, nothing at all. So if you, you know, preparing is more thing for um, people who, who have vision loss or probably people with any kind of disability. Um, and then, um, you know, with Ian, we were caught pretty short with it because they didn't expect it to come to um, the Lee County at all. They expected it to go up north of us. So right. that's one thing. And the other thing is that I, I think, you know, for people with guide dogs and, you know, traveling in this kind of heat with as a person with um, a disability is just going to become less attractive. You know, I don't even mean just traveling, they're taking just taking a walk or, you know, going anywhere, doing any outdoor activities is just going to become less and less attractive. So, and then, you know, you're right. People will migrate to the, to the cooler areas. Um, but I, I think I, my biggest concern for the climate change and people with vision loss are the storms and, you know, as they become more serious and bigger. Yeah. 15 well, my years family. Ago, go ahead, Paul. 15 years ago when, when ACB went to, um, Arizona, um, people were actually virtually told that if you're going to bring a guide dog with you, plan to bring some kind of pads for the guide dog's paws because um, the, the the temperature was just so hot oh, that the sidewalk folks would burn them. couldn't deal with it. And mm -hmm. so um, imagine what it must be like now right. when 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 the days are probably 10 degrees hotter 
across the board in Arizona now. But um, go the, ahead, Brian. The, the scary thing is that dogs don't always like them and they take them off and you don't know it. I mean, That's Percy correct. used to take his, his things off. So yep. it's, it's yep. very difficult. Yep. And, uh, I think we also need to revisit this whole idea of um, emergency evacuation planning. Yep. Uh, the, you know, we literally, I went in and redid a closet where we kept our go bag um, from back when people thought about that all the time. We had it on ACB's national agenda, uh, the whole issue of that. And again, as a guide dog user, you have the extra thing that you've got some responsibility for this animal that's uh, basically given its life to to you. Um, but you also have just so many complications going on out there. How much of my independence today is because I have ready and reliable access to electricity? And what do you hear about going down first and foremost in really bad weather? We were is, out 11 days. Yeah, 11 days without your technology that has become part of how you navigate the day. At least I, it, it is certainly part of how I navigate my day. Uh, so that, you know, all of the, God, this sounds so gloom and doomish, but uh, it's in the human nature, don't you think, that that uh, if we can't comprehend the magnitude of something, we simply accept it? You know, I guess I guess the other question that that we at least need to raise is to what degree have we as blind people become so dependent on technology that when technology is not available, we're in much worse shape than we might otherwise have been. Many of us, for instance, have committed to ordering food in pretty regularly. Um, what happens if we can't do that because because the internet is not available to us? Um, do we do we have arrangements that we've already that we've already made to, fig to go back to the old way and actually find a way to get to the grocery, or will we find it absolutely impossible to get to the grocery? Will we in fact be forced by the more extreme nature of what's going on? To evacuate when we wouldn't have in the past. Oh, and evacuating sure is a is another um, problem for people with vision loss. You're in this unfamiliar. I, I know people. I wouldn't do it, um, but I know people who did with um, Irma. And you're in this unfamiliar building, cheek to jowl. You, they have your dogs um, relieving themselves in a place indoors, which my dog would not do. He would become sick before he'd actually. Um, do that. Right. I, would, I can't even imagine how that would work. So that's another, um, it's another concern for people with disabilities is, is, is and more probably blind people. Well, blind people have a special concern, right? So it's, it's um, those shelters, those um, evacuation shelters are, are not, they're not easy either. No, they're not. No, so. they're not easy for, for anybody in them. But again, but for, the more the, you are not the quote, uh, average. Mm -hmm. you know, they, they have to design them around something. So they design them around mm -hmm. average person's mm -hmm. needs. And yep. the minute that there's some aspect of you that makes you not average, it's it an extra a, burden. 
it becomes no, a problem. It's, a, it, it, it's actually worse than that, um, Brian, because what they actually do is they say there are two kinds of shelters. There are the average shelters, which which are which are fairly available and 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 fairly reasonable in terms of in terms of being able to be treated appropriately and effectively. But then there are the quote disability shelters, mm-hmm. and those are the ones that we get sent to, mm-hmm. and those have very restrictive rules, um, and your your expectation of reasonable treatment goes out the window there. Yeah. Never, never would go to a shelter, but, but, but that's not to say I wouldn't evacuate if, if I were staying here, I, I would probably fly out if, if I were, you know, I I would be prepared enough to, to get any flight anywhere. Yep. I flew out, I flew out once during a a potential hurricane and in fact, didn't happen. Um, I, I have weathered hurricanes in my house a couple of times. Um, and, and, and. I'm okay with it, um, one way or another. Well, one uh, of Mr. the things, Larry, you, you know, go, sorry, go, I want go to ahead, say Brian. one last thing, and then 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 bring Larry on on board with all of this. Um, I think part, you know, I talked about the go bag as as part of just what one does. You know, you should know how you're going to escape your home if fire occurred. You know, which windows are will open and when that if you went out you wouldn't fall to your death or whatever it might be you should be thinking about how do i deal with extremes that are not the norm but better but you need to plan for it and one of those things is to be on good terms with your neighbors because they can help support you and your needs and you can help them with their needs perhaps so isolation that COVID brought us did not do us any favors in that regard. And we have to be, I think, somewhat aggressive about reestablishing those relationships. Larry, turn on your microphone, young man. So I know a couple of, I know most of my neighbors, two of them are new, but the rest of them have been living around me for a long time. So I, I make it a point to talk to them for a lot of reasons. Uh, and I usually initiate conversations with most of them because I'm blind. They're sighted. They some of them don't know what to say to a blind person. But we've worked we've worked through most of that. Um, so that probably wouldn't be an issue. It's interesting because my eyes literally were opened up because we're in an area when the only thing we really have to worry about are earthquakes. Uh, we don't have to worry about hurricanes. Uh, we don't really have to worry about tornadoes flash floods although they happen don't happen in our immediate area they may happen in the mountains we oftentimes will get flash flood warnings but it's not enough to worry about for us but um last friday we had a planned maintenance uh issue where they said beware your service will be interrupted they called left a message uh, and so from 10 p.m. to 8 a.m., we had no electricity at all. And I've got everything backed up in terms of, uh, on, you know, uh, I forgot what Data. you call it. Data. Well, yeah, but it's a, it's a power supply issue, too. I've oh, got yeah, so UPS. Battery backups. Yep. UPS. UPS. I've got a UPS. Right. UPS. Yeah, uninterrupted power supply. Lasted about an hour and a half, which was almost as annoying 
is not having the power because every 30 seconds, you know, I'm trying to go to sleep. Anyway, that's great, Larry. Thank you so very much. Yeah. Yeah, it's another career ahead of him. I do. Yeah, I could. Hey, what do you do for your fun and relaxation? I go. Anyway, so along about, oh, I don't know, six or so, I was up because it was hot, because there was no AC, because there was no electricity. So I'm up and I'm thinking, okay, what can't I do? Well, I can't cook breakfast. I can't make eggs. I can't make coffee. There's all kinds of things that you can't do if you're not prepared. Now, granted, it was only for 11 hours, 12 hours, whatever. But it began to make me really think about, gee, what happens if something cataclysmic were to happen? Um, and, it's, and it's definitely a big thing that needs to be planned for. You guys plan for it because you, all of you live in hurricane-oriented areas. I don't know about Brian as much, but, but certainly Paul does, certainly Marianne does. And so you do make plans, and it's, it's something that we need to really think about, especially those of us who live out in this area. The, the truth is that, that at least in theory, I am supposed to be a little north of where hurricanes are likely to happen, but I don't think that I can rely on that any longer, um, given the way that that climate change is happening, because the the conditions that operated in South Florida will very soon be the conditions that operate here. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I think I think you're right. I, I I am I am a part of that system. But I have not done a good job or, or not a lot of a good job in terms of getting the state uh, and local communities to recognize that they are really, um, in a lot of ways, leaving people with disabilities um, in, in a very bad place by, by their failure to include lots of issues that directly impact those of us with disabilities in, in emergency preparedness, which is not what we're supposed to be talking about tonight, by the way. <laughs> no, that's I, I, true. We, that's we true. started with the, the, I had much more mundane things yeah. to talk about on my list this morning. But again, I think the trick here is not to become complacent. Right. Uh, times in terms of of our need to be prepared to deal with catastrophic events uh you know you you can't wait until the need is now you have to think ahead about those kinds of things and at the same time not become so paralyzed that uh you get to a situation where you you know hoard food and uh have daily drills yep. with your children to drive them absolutely up the wall with anxiety about things. Uh, we need Let's, to take that as part of our new lifestyle. But let's, let's talk about one, more entertaining things, Paul. We, we, we'll God, have a second, but let's take oh. one example. Um, <clears throat> with, with the onset of COVID, paratransit virtually everywhere, went to hack in a handbasket. Um, drivers quit, they didn't want to work. Um, the shutdown meant that vehicles for the most part couldn't operate. In many areas, paratransit simply disappeared. 
but what is what is more frightening is that when the threat of COVID declined, paratransit did not spring back into immediate um, uh, health, essentially. Um, virtually everywhere in the country, paratransit systems are finding it difficult to retain drivers uh, and are also finding it difficult to know how many riders they're going to have because of the fear that operates for a lot of old people about COVID. Uh, older people, I shouldn't say old people, I suppose, but people my age uh, over COVID, which means that they lessen the amount that they travel. So a system that's expecting a certain number of trips is finding that they have far fewer to do. Um, and and it, 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 has, it has been fascinating to see um, how some systems have used really innovative and appropriate ways to get around these issues, while others have simply let their transit uh, kind of um, die on the vine, which has happened in, in many areas. So not that's so just in our an, area. We, yeah. we have, we have t- uh, uh, an overflow of rides. What, where it affected us was getting parts for buses. So we are yep. constantly struggling with getting enough um, buses out there to, to, to pick up the, the riders yep. here in Southwest Florida. It's, um, yeah. it's very interesting. So, Miss Marianne, let's see if anybody has their hands up and wants to talk about summer or about any of the other stuff that we ended up getting into. Nicolette has patiently been waiting with her hand up. Nicolette, you may unmute. Hello. Hi there. Um, Hi there. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about a couple of things. The the dog the dogs, especially because um, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and he has. I live in San Francisco. And he has two little mutts that he got from Muttville. They're senior dogs. And when he goes into town, he lives in Grass Valley, which is north of here, where it's a lot hotter. It gets to be 100 degrees. He says that the concrete can be 100 degrees, and it's extremely dangerous for dogs. So I think somebody should develop something that a dog could wear and not take off and patent it, (laughs) because I think it's going to be a very serious problem. But one of the things I also wanted to mention is that um, I live in earthquake country. (laughs) So ever since I've lived in San Francisco, since I was 18, I've been prepared with extra water. I have a special barbecue um, that is uh, it's a it's in a big bin outside. I have charcoal. I have butane. I have everything I need to be able to cook food if necessary, Mm -hmm. providing the porch doesn't doesn't come down around us and I'm still alive, but it's, um, it's very important to provide for these things. And um, the longest I've ever had no electricity was a few hours during the earthquake because the major earthquake that we had in, in 1989, because I happened to be on the San Francisco general hospital grid. And so the normally I'm never out for more than an hour that day. I was out for about four hours, whereas the rest of the city was out for days. So we have to be prepared for things like that. Um, The other the other thing is I used to have parrots and San Francisco is the air conditioned um, city. We don't we haven't had super hot weather yet. But when it gets to the 106, I told somebody the other day, I'm just going to sit and read and listen to audiobooks all day long. I'm not going to do anything else because it's going to be too hot. And I do not have air conditioning. Okay. So anyway, 
Um, but I had parrots. And so when it got to be below 50, like 45 degrees at night, I had to turn the heat on. But I only mm-hmm. had to do that one week out of the year in January. This winter, I had to turn the heat on every day for a few hours for four solid months because the nighttime temperature was in the 40s. So this is how it's progressed over the years in terms of the cold. The heat has pretty much stayed the same, except once in a while we'll get 106. But most of the time, it's, you know, it's even like right now, I think it's 61 degrees or something like that. And that's perfect. I I love it. And Chrissy was up here and she wanted, she wanted to move here. She didn't want to go back to, back to Island, but at any rate, it is a very serious problem and uh, we really need to do something, but especially with the dogs, we need to make sure that they have, that they're protected because a hundred degrees on the concrete can fry an egg. So thank you very much. Now, do you, you. Tend, do you tend to stay home in, in the summer then and not, and not go on vacation or not go outside much? Um, well, sometimes, well, I don't know. Um, actually, I'm, I'm going to Vancouver on Friday. for um, uh, I've been invited to go up there and give a speech at a, one of the schools. That, or, there are about 30 schools up there that were founded because my great-grandfather founded a school in Canton 145 years ago. And it's going to be... 85 up there and i'm not looking forward to that at all but no it won't stop me from going out but to 106 degrees i think would keep me inside with with underneath the fan i do have fans mm-hmm. in my house but i don't have any air conditioning yeah that would keep me inside because it's hard to breathe if it gets really really hot you can't really do it much and, and yeah so you know you people have to be careful especially like in Arizona, I don't know how many of you who know right. Joni, but she's having a hell of a time down there. Yeah. Um, and even yep. the air conditioning doesn't help. So, so what yep. do we do? You know, it, it's a, it's a very serious, serious problem. Yep. So thank you very much. And, and we haven't talked about uh, smoke from Canadian fires yet either, but thank you very much for your call. Keep, keep coming back and, and joining us. Thank you. Oh, and I do, but I always have to leave at five because I have a French class. <laughs> very good. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Excellent. We don't have any more hands yet. Okay, so <clears throat> now we can turn to uh, a lighter topic, could we? Uh, we, we yeah, and, and understand one of the things I'm tr- I'm giving serious thought to. I think I've said here that I intend to move in five years into my last home. Uh, but one of the things I'm considering doing in that is solar power so that I could literally live off the grid uh, if need be. And I expect it will be necessary from time to time. Have th- We've been talking about uh, Arizona a bit here, but just think about if you were in the state of Texas where uh, the powers that be have so neglected the uh, seeing to the durability of the grid that uh, doesn't matter who you are. You know, the minute that it, it is hotter for a longer period of time, the grid goes into brownout and likely to be blackout, rolling blackouts as part of that decision you have to make to stay in Texas. Anyway, well, um, we we should ahead. also say that in in oh probably a good forty to fifty percent of the developing countries, 
um, this summer, uh, because it's a time when air conditioning is used by those who have it, which aren't that many people, um, pressure is put on the grids and, and rolling blackouts are the rule of thumb rather than the exception. Yeah. Um, I get really annoyed at uh, the companies that provide me this household power when uh, they up the rates so that they can pay for uh, improved infrastructure kind of things. But what have I been paying for up to this point? Have they not been keeping up with things so that now they can justify a 20, 30% increase in my energy bill? Uh, I can't spend money fast enough to uh, improve the energy efficiency of my home to keep up with the energy bills associated with it. Uh, all I can do is hope that it doesn't go up by more than 5% in a given year. Anyway, so there's there's all of that. Uh, when you originally proposed summer as a, as a person who's blind or visually impaired, what are the things that occur that people may not think about uh, as why it's different to be a blind person in the summer as opposed to a sighted person in the summer. First thing I think about is my days when I was a low vision person and how much I appreciated a good overcast day for my ability to see uh, as opposed to when it was a bright sunny sunshiny day. I loved overcast days. I could see so much better. It was like looking through a filter that improved your vision. I don't think that was unusually me. I think that that is fairly uh, common among those who have low vision. So sunny days have their advantage, but overcast days also have their advantage. As a child, I lived in uh, Calgary, Alberta, which is significantly further north. And so one of the one of the things about the summer that as a kid I sort of loved was that uh, it would it would start getting getting to be daylight and sunny about four or five in the morning, but it would it would still be light and and warm at ten o'clock or or eleven o'clock at night. And so that yep. was one of the things about summer that that as a kid we we thought was pretty neat because mom you can't yeah. you can't expect us to go to bed when it's still sunny. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Absolutely. Um, in terms of in terms of blindness, I think. Um, you know, there were there were there were lots of things that we did as ki- as kids in the summer that we that we certainly couldn't do in the winter, like roller skating. Were, were you a roller skater, Marianne? I was much yeah. to my neighbor's dismay. She used to call my mother. You know, your daughter's roller skating. Your blind daughter's roller skating in the road. <laughs> <laughs> Nosy bitty. <laughs> Brian, were you a roller skater? The answer is my entire family has been into roller skating for generations. Um, right. That's that. While other people 
may have, you know, gone down to the beach, we went to the roller park. Uh, yeah. Aunts and uncles worked at the roller park. Our first jobs were in the uh, uh, area of the park itself, the carnival side of things. So, yeah, very much in the roller skating thing. And I guess, you know, we all ad adapt to to the world around us based on not just our blindness, but the people we associate with. My brothers right. would be willing to go bicycle riding with me, and they would ride their bicycles in front of where I was pedaling my mm -hmm. bicycle, and they would literally sing cigarette commercials <laughs> as an audio cue. You could take Salem out of the country, but you can't take the country out of Salem. Yep. Okay, so I'm I, not going to get another job as a singer. My my um, we we actually had a, a tandem bike, um, and and my brother would would uh, would often um, would would often ride. And when we moved to Jamaica, we used to ride to school on a tandem bike, which was That's great so fun. Cool. <clears throat> Um, but, uh, I never got to the point where I was comfortable with rollerblades or any of the things that, that came after roller skates. Um, I just could not get into those mm -hmm. things. No, me either. Never rode, did anything. The last skates I had were four wheels. Yep. Couldn't exactly. do the other. Mm -hmm. Skateboard, was that part of your yep. culture? I, it no. was not part of mine. Not mine not either. Mm -hmm. no. Larry, how about you? Roller skating, skateboarding? <laughs> I remember roller skating, not as much. I tried it, but I could never keep good solid balance Ooh. and would fall a lot, a lot, but I would get back up again. I was a good so, roller skater. Ice skating, I, now that's a different no, issue. No, sky ice skating, I, I have a problem either. with. I, could I not can't do ice that. skate, me either. <laughs> Skateboarding was great until I didn't jump fast enough when I went under the car. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but I enjoyed it. I had a great time skateboarding and did a lot of bicycle riding. We played football in the street, touch and yep. tackle. Used to yep. ride bikes through front yards and until people finally said to our parents make those guys get off the bikes we don't want to see them going through the ivy anymore because we'd hit trees and <laughs> bounce off of stuff oh yeah i don't oh, think yeah. i had uh, uh any summer where i had skin on my kneecaps or elbows no oh Just, no it spent way too oh. much time picking gravel <laughs> yeah us too yeah I, I remember the time john john we used to run everywhere we'd run up and down the sidewalks and he hit a bike once that a little kid had just arbitrarily left in the middle of the uh -huh. sidewalk, tore up his leg to the bone. He picked up the Ooh. bike and threw it across the street because he was so ticked. And they, yeah, they had to go back in and get stitches and all kinds of stuff. You know, we we were allowed to do not whatever we we wanted, but anything that somebody sided wanted to do. Our parents weren't necessarily excited about watching us cross streets, but they never stopped us. High, you know, get jumping off the high dive. They never stopped us, which was wonderful, which was great because we wanted to enjoy and do everything yeah. that somebody sighted could do. One and, of my, and oftentimes we did. One of my coolest memories as a as a kid, I guess I was eleven, yeah, around eleven, was doing a a a, a trail ride, bringing at the end of the summer 
a bunch of horses mm. who had been moved up to Banff for the for the summer for the tourist season and then essentially being a part of a group that rode them back to Calgary oh, where they where they'd cool stay for the winter that? so an 80 mile trail ride, trail ride over like four wow, or five days that's so that cool. was great <clears throat> I have a really funny, quick story about bike yes. riding. I, I never could see that well, but I could always, I, I had what good contrast sight. Like I could see sidewalk versus grass and all that. So my mom used to, she would never have walked to the store. You know, it was like just two blocks away, but she'd send us kids. And I used to sneak the garage door open real quiet, like, and pull my sister's two wheel bike out and ride it to the store. And I'd get back and my mom, never knew it she'd say wow you you were fast and it wasn't until i was 23 <laughs> years old that i told her remember how he used to send me to the store and i was so fast and i told her she said oh my god you could have hurt yourself or run into someone and <laughs> she never knew all those years that i was riding my sister's two-wheel bike i hear you know, that. i was wondered how much do mothers actually know about what we got up to as kids I'm I'm convinced my mother knew more than than she ever acknowledged. I she agree. knew. She knew everything. <laughs> no, my, mom my mom knew everything. Or no, whatever. <laughs> she didn't know. Yeah, so, she may never have told me that she knew everything, but she did. <laughs> some, some of the things that we did, I'm not sure. I'm not sure our mother knew about, but yeah, there are some special circumstances that 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 operated to make that the case but right. um, keep in keep in mind i blinded myself as an 11 year old boy by playing around with household chemicals so uh <laughs> i did get up to some pretty harsh things uh at that age and i think my mother probably would have had gray hair much earlier if she known some of the extreme things i'm trying to think of 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 other things that kind of characterized summers once once i moved to the caribbean of course there really wasn't weren't any seasons so it was sort of summer all year round like here yes yeah very much like florida yeah <laughs> um so yeah so i, I don't know I, I mean summer i guess is the time you're out of school nowadays it's interesting because I think that um, kids seem to be out of school for less time during the summer now than we were. I mean, we used to get out of school in June and not go back until after Labor Day. We did too, but I grew up in the edge of farm country where child labor was a very important part. Every mm -hmm. time you have a a jar of Smucker's strawberry jam. Think of child labor. We were out in the fields earning our summer money, picking those things. So we had to get out of school early enough for strawberry season. And all around the country, there are those kinds of things that impact that. Again, not in the urban world, but certainly, certainly in uh, the more rural parts of our country. I was thinking that um, certainly the number of hours that you could play as a child was much higher in the summer uh, right. than not. Um, I, there was less, I think there was less organized things happening. If, you know, as a kid, 
uh, your playground was the neighborhood. It was not play dates or or those kinds of things. Uh, yes, there was little league. Yes, there was scouting uh, going on, but for the most part, most of our time was unorganized, random. Uh, no, you did. You didn't go to summer camps, right, Brian? But I. But I think Larry did. I did. I did. Yeah, I did for years. I was a counselor as well at uh, near the end. In fact, the last year that I was there, had a great time. I was there for gosh, I don't know, probably fifteen, twenty years every summer as a camper. And 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 it was a blindness thing, or it was a mainstream thing. Uh, it was blindness. It was. It was a foundation for the junior blind, and they gotcha. went to Camp Bloomfield in in Southern California. For me, uh, the closest I got was summer school at the school for the blind. Oh. So for maybe a week, two weeks of the summer, uh, I'd be off learning to uh, learning some of those soft skills, yeah. some of which weren't so soft. Yes. What 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 do you remember about summer camp, Larry? What 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 stands out for you? Um, I, I'll, I will mention this, and then I'm off to BOP. Um, let's see. Um, I, I remember the campfire circle. We we had campfires all the time. I remember the quietness of being up in the mountains and walking up and down hills. With people, because we were in an area where there were bound to be and were rattlesnakes. Um, I heard Ooh. a couple times. In fact, we cleared a playground once. John and I were wrestling on the playground, and he said, do you want on? I said, sure, why not? So we're wrestling, and then, and, and, and then we hear, they, they heard. Larry. We did. <laughs> and we cleared the playground. Oh my god. And our goodness. counselors knew that it was us. And so they said, Don't ever let it happen again. Because they, you know, they 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 had they uh, they clear we've cleared the playground, they brought all kinds of people onto the playground to rum rum around in the uh, in the uh areas for rattlesnakes, never found them, of course. You know, it's just something stupid that little kids did at that time because we were I don't know eight, maybe nine years old. Never thought about what impact it could have on other people. But it was fun to clear a playground. You know, it was enjoyable. I think there were there were a lot of folks, particularly in California, and I think there were some other states as well, where where summer camp for folks who are blind was um was very much um uh, a part of growing up. Oh, yeah, New Jersey but, had a great camp. Sure. Yeah. That I went to. But very different, by the way, I think, um, from the from what kids are getting with summer camps now. Because summer camps now, at least in Florida, as far as I can tell, are mostly camps where you learn blindness skills um, and that kind of stuff rather than just going to camp and having fun. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should yeah, say that true. that even that summer school is fun. Uh, yeah, I have a memory of the first time I was ever allowed to stand at a grill and flip hamburgers was there, and I enjoyed mm-hmm. it thoroughly. 
got to the yeah. point that I bugged my O&M instructor until uh, he took me to a local place and I conned a chef out of his hat. Uh, so I could stand at my grill with a chef's hat on and flip burgers. So, yeah, yeah. there was a lot of that going doom buggy riding and those kinds of things. Uh, we didn't necessarily yeah, always know that, that that was part of the education we were getting. For me, it was the friends that I'd see every year and the boys. Yeah, cheer for the boys. <laughs> yeah. When the first times I met my wife-to-be was in the back of a dune buggy uh, in Yahats, Oregon, along the Oregon coast. See? See? <clears throat> um, I, I, I really didn't get much of that because, yeah, mostly um, with summer was um was kind of being at home and the calgary stampede of course was happening then so you so you got to to go to the stampede and listen to the chuck wagon races and that kind of stuff it was very cool mm. um but uh, and and ride in in um old-fashioned cars in the in the stampede parade that was fun yeah um, My but, family also got very much involved in the whole Western uh, horseback riding side of things. Cousins competed nice. and all that kind of stuff. So I spent a lot of. Yeah, my sister reminds I, me that I, my I, cousin was the barrel racing champion of the Northwest region. Yeah, I, I uh, won. I, I won right? a, a um, I won a bronze ribbon. Um show jumping in, in vancouver um, <laughs> but but truthfully the horse did it it really wasn't me <laughs> i i understand uh, that i had a, a horse when i was in at community college pearl was her name and she was spectacular she could barrel race me uh and i would win competitions within our class for those kind of things. She only had one problem. That is, whenever she saw the finish line, she'd stop right after crossing it. And I frequently didn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you dismounted quickly to accept yeah. congratulations. That's right. That's what it was <laughs> yeah. all about. Yep. Uh, well, I think Larry other, has gone you know, off to, yeah, he has, to yeah. the Board of Publications. So yeah. that it's down it's to the three chair. of us. But I think... We have some but hands. I think I think we Mr. Ralph was uh, was interested in chiming in. Nice, mm -hmm. Ralph. You Bring can mute, Mr. Ralph. All right. Uh, today, ninety-seven degrees in Brandon, Mississippi, with forty-five percent humidity, though, so it's mm -hmm. not as humid as it usually is, which is nice. Mm -hmm. um, summer, uh, at when I went to the school for the blind, we got out for summer, Memorial Day weekend, which the end of May, uh -huh. right? And we started back the day after Labor Day, right? Of course, yeah. our <clears throat> student body was so small. When you went back to school, you didn't get to choose your classes. Told 
you're taking science, you're taking math, you're taking English, and so on. <laughs> so uh, there was no debate about it. You either took it or you failed the class. But anyway, mm-hmm. not, notwithstanding, uh, go camp, uh, several of us were able to go to camp a, a few years in Florida. We went to Camp Kulakwa. And nice. uh, it was it was fun. Met a lot of people from all over. Of course, it's you know, blindness and low vision oriented. Uh, you know, for the different age groups, we got right. to ride horses and do archery. And uh, two things stand out with me about the camping experience. One night we slept in the old Conestoga wagons. You know, they had them lined up and all that. So sleep on the bench and all that. I woke up the next morning. And there was a horse with his head inside of the wagon. I woke up and I could not get <laughs> that to where I was. It's like, this is not supposed to be this way. Anyway, that, that was enjoyable. And the other thing about camp was that's where I learned to water ski. So they took us out on this lake. And the guy says, now you hold on to this bar. You know, it's, it has a rope on it. Don't let go. I said, okay. So I'm behind the boat and they take off. And of course, the gravity pulls you forward. So I'm still holding on to that rope and it's dragging me forward into the water. And the guy says, You can let go now. <laughs> so yes. so I, learned my, I learned my lesson about that. He said, We'll try it again. So, you know, balance yourself. Don't. Don't let it drag you forward into the water. I said, okay, that's how you do it. So that that was so much fun mm-hmm. to water ski like that and to take those curves and ride over the little waves like that. Uh, man, it was it was truly exciting. It was fun. And I I was able to do that and figure out how to how to hold on to the ski rope and all that. So I wanted to yeah, I was, I was hold on with one hand and all skier. that. It was a good water skier. I, so I used I, to um I used to, they, they had these, these other things. I can't remember what they called them now, but they're, they're essentially boards that you, that you stand on. Um, and, and you have a rope that you hold on to on the front of the boards. Um, and I did okay with those, but water skis. I mean, I, 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 I did far better with snow skis than I did with water skis. <laughs> I got you. Well, this was, you know, like I said, that was, that was a, a thrill. That was fun. And, mm-hmm. Uh, of course, uh, two of my brothers are low vision like I am. They can mm-hmm. actually see better, but my other brother, Walter, is he has good vision. But anyway, mm-hmm. we got a trampoline. And so oh, nice. this was the old trampoline that didn't have the net on the side. Mm-hmm. So you dumped at your own risk. And I can remember doing a handstand. I could you know, bounce on my knees and then go to yep. do a handstand. And I flipped off the trampoline and landed my hips across the steel bar. I thought I broke my hip. I didn't didn't want to tell my parents because, you know, supposed to be out here by yourself, uh, unsupervised or whatever. So I walked around for about two weeks (laughs) with a severely bruised hip. Uh, But it it wasn't broken. So uh lesson learned but we had a, we had a lot of fun on that trampoline we we really so did so the camp we, the camps we, that you went to were mostly for blind folks mr ralph yeah the the camp kulakwa in florida was for uh the weeks that i went 
uh, you know, were blind and low vision people. Mm-hmm. So there, there were people from all over the, and the water was so clear at at the swimming pool. I mean, I could mm-hmm. see the bottom of the pool. Yeah, I could see the cool. sand on the bottom. It was that clear. Now that doesn't happen yeah. in Mississippi all that often, and, does it? And uh, no, it does not. And that water <laughs> was cold too. But it, uh, it was you know, it was fun. It was you know, fun to go swimming and uh, just a, a real good time uh, at at the camp. And of course, we do the campfire at night and uh, all that. So uh, that was that was good. So, so Marianne, uh, you were a champion water skier, is that right? I was good at it. We we used to have, um, I belong to this group called ABLE in New Jersey. And um, in the summer, um, a group of um, people who were part of Sons of Norway, um, who, you know, do ski for light, but they would um, right. let us use a couple of their cabins that were on this beautiful lake in Vermont. <laughs> and in the summer, they took us water skiing. And in the winter, they took us cross-country skiing. And those are some very, very fond memories. Cross country skiing, I I did it when when I when I got very old. Um, was like I like it ten or twelve years ago. Uh, I I did some cross country skiing, and but of course, tobogganing as a kid was fun, and and sledding as a kid was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we made a point in my family that we had a two-person sled so in the same way that in tandem biking uh, the blind person's on the back seat and he's the stoker yeah right? pedal your little whatever uh yes that was the function i had my brother would be in the front steering and i'd be in the back you know running to get us started mm-hmm. uh and i was talking about you know uh scraped knees and elbows well, in this particular case, we got scraped with knuckles a lot because <laughs> yes, <laughs> because you'd run up against things and you were holding the sides of this thing to stay on it. It wasn't like you could keep your hands uh, in the center. You were holding the edges. But we had a hell of a wonderful time doing that. And this is the, these are the kinds of things that um, aren't class-oriented, I guess. You could play in your neighborhood in a snowy condition uh, without having to pay for a lift ticket or you know own fancy equipment or any of that stuff. So we made up an awful lot of our own fun. And again, this is one of those places where our parents were were. Uh, well, it was probably a good thing they didn't know some of the things that we did uh, going down this perfect hill. Except at the bottom of the hill, there was a T intersection with a lot of traffic. And you had to steer yourself into a uh, uh, a controlled crash <laughs> before you got yep. to that cross street. One of the things that, um, that, that I remember about the summer is <laughs> we were friendly with um, members of the Crowfoot tribe of Indians um, who, who lived in Alberta. And one of the things that they did um, was to um, was to bring up and help us put together a teepee in our backyard um, that was about 10 feet across or 11 feet across um, mm-hmm. and and was was made with with 
logs rather than <clears throat> rather than tent poles that were metal or anything like that. Mm. It was it 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 had logs and there was all kinds of painting on the canvas that you could almost feel, and um, so it was very cool. So I I think probably about five nights out of seven we would sleep outside in that teepee. Yes, kind of camping, kind of cool. Camping as a, even if it's backyard camping, uh, it's still an important, I think, part of growing up. Being able we to lived, do that kind of thing. We lived right on a river, um, which is which is one of the reasons we had a larger backyard. Um, and um, so you you would you would often hear the sound of of fish jumping in the river. Or um, or or ducks um, quacking their way down the river. It was a uh, was it was really pretty cool. cool. Do we have another hand, Miss Marianne? We do, Jean. You may Ms. unmute, Miss Jean. Spence. Jean, you may unmute. She's napping. Maybe. Maybe she stepped away. She's had her hand up for a while. Okay, yep. well, we have All Jane. Right. All right, I'm yep. here now. I think. Okay. Well, there she is. Up. There you go. I mute three times. I don't know why. But anyway, so um, so it's in the 70s here, finally. And um, we got we got like almost 11 inches of rain during the month of July. They said it was the wettest July on record. So, Ooh, yeah. 11 inches and, and when she's finished, I... Thank you for sending me the we'd like you to speak thing. So I'll yeah. I'll wait, but I'm, mm -hmm. I Thank am you. unmuted. Yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So Very anyway, um, so so when I was growing up, my grandfather lived on Lake Erie. He had a house just a little ways from the beach, and it was a private beach. And so um, and I had there were 17 of us cousins, and so every Sunday. We were there almost, and then every family took turns staying there at his house, and which was like a little cottage, and he converted it into a winter home. And um, and then our, all our friends would come, you know, families or you know, my best friend Sue used to come with us all the time, and and he, my grandfather worked for the parks department, and I don't know how he got all this stuff. But he had swings and slides and a sandbox and teeter-totter and um, all this stuff. He had a playground right in his backyard. And I think when they had extra carts that they weren't going to use, he would, I don't know, just take them. I don't know how he got them, but he did. And and he also had, um, in his garage, he had all kinds of bikes. He would get carts and he put bikes together for all the grandchildren to ride. Mm -hmm. And he had a tandem. So that was my first experience riding a tandem bike. I remember my cousin and me getting on it one day and going out and somehow something happened and we crashed right in the middle of the road. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so then when I was about nine, my parents sent me to camp for, it was supposed to be two weeks. It was a camp for, it was, it was for, um, well, they called it handicapped, but whatever you want to call it today, disabled and underprivileged kids. So uh -huh. there were a lot of inner city kids. And then there were those of us that had disabilities. And the first time I went it was supposed to be for two weeks. And after a week, they sent us all home because everybody had pink eye. And they, oh, dear. 
Oh well, yeah, they had to. They basically had to close the camp down for you know a few days before the next session, and you know disinfect everything. And but then after that, I went back and everything was fine. One one year, I actually got called to see if I wanted to come back a second time. And mm-hmm. when they called, my mother was yelling at me for something, <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, please, I want to go. Can I go now?" You know, exactly. Exactly. So then, then when I was about twelve. I, I I still went there for two weeks, but I also went to a, a summer program at the School for the Blind in Batavia, and that was five weeks. And, um, you know, we did like they did mobility and cooking and, you know, all that kind of stuff. We took gym, um, all kind of stuff. But then they did a lot of trips like um, we went to Niagara Falls. We went to um, I remember going to a baseball game. We went to I don't even know where we went, but every Every Sunday they had field trips. And then sometimes during the week we did things. And then when I started going to school there, I heard about Camp Wapanaki up in Vermont. Mm-hmm. And so I went there for three summers. And the cool thing about that was, well, there were a lot of cool things, but our school would take us up there when they went to pick up the boys. The boys session was in July and ours was in August. So okay. they, they, would, um, they would take us up. We'd leave on July 28th. And get there the next night, we would um we would stay in cabins overnight on the way and then take the ferry from New York, Lake Champlain over to Vermont. It was really fun. And then we would hang out up at the camp with the kitchen staff and um, some of the, they would take a lot of the, they had a summer school up there and they would take a lot of the kids to New York, but the kids from the New York Institute stayed at the, at the camp. So we would hang out with the, the kitchen staff who were these guys that weren't much older than us. And the mm-hmm. summer school kids from the Institute for four or five days till the campers came. And then the, the camp session was four weeks. And so we did, you know, all the things that everybody does at camp. And we, um, we climbed Mount Mansfield a couple of times and then we camp out overnight and in a lean to, I remember they we cook steak out on the grill and tell ghost stories and, you know, it was fun. And then, um, I did a Canadian hike one time, which was a 50 mile hike from the camp to the Canadian border. And um, we carried our packs on our backs and everything. There were some big hills coming out of that camp too. And then the neatest thing was that they, they shortened the sessions after I left because, you know, kids were going back to college earlier and they were the counselors. So then they had a week at the end of the summer for adults. So for about six summers until they closed the camp, I went back every summer as an adult. And, you know, we did a lot of the same things we did. We didn't climb Mount Mansfield, but we rode the gondola up and back. And, you know, we camped out if we wanted to. You could pretty much do what you wanted. And um, I wrote a thing about it for the forum one time. And um, they opened up what they called the counselor's cabin at night. And we, you know, told jokes and stories and drank. I don't know. I remember drinking wine coolers. I don't know what else we had. But, you know, (laughs) yeah, right. We just did whatever we wanted for like five or six days, however long we were there. And um, it was so much fun. I was so sorry when they closed it because it was such a neat place to go to. So those were, were, what? There were a bunch of summer camps um, for adults that used to be around. I think there are still one or two. Um, A lot of them are kind of Christian camps, which which folks go to and and really seem to enjoy. Yeah, they have like a week at, for adults at some point during the summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was, um, uh, we loved camp. I used to say when I was an adult, I'd go to ACB conventions and work. And then I, I would say I would go to, to you know, camp the next month. And that was like my retreat. 
that was you there know, you so, go. Yeah, so much more relaxing. But and not that I didn't enjoy both of them because I did. But now, I would you do, you do you do anything special these summers, Miss Miss Jean? After you know, not really. It's weird, but. In my younger days, when I was working, we did all kinds of stuff. But, you know, so many of my friends have either moved away or died, or they don't like to drive after dark anymore. Mm-hmm. We used to work downtown, and there was a um, there was a, a, there was a park not too far from where we worked, and they would have this theater thing every summer called Park Playhouse. And so we would, um, we would order food from the cafeteria at work, and then we'd have a little picnic before the play. And you get out at like 10 or 11 at night, but nobody wants to go down there anymore because it's not really a very good section of town. Um, Excellent. Yeah. And then I had another friend we used to go up to. We have this thing called Saratoga Performing Arts Center, and it's an amphitheater, an outdoor, well, it's outdoor and indoor amphitheater. Mm-hmm. And um, we used to go up there all the time for concerts, and um, I don't get to do that much anymore. So actually, I haven't been up there in, geez, probably seven, eight years. I took my father. Um Avila here had a couple trips up there one summer. The Mormon Tabernacle Choir came to Wow. And I had seen them in Salt Lake City when we had the convention out there. My father Mm -hmm. loved Mormon Tabernacle Choir. He listened to them every Sunday morning. So Mm -hmm. I was telling him about it. And I said, I don't really have anybody to go with me. And he said, I'll go. So they had room on the bus. So um, he came and I took him with me. And we got seats in the second row, which he was thrilled about. You know, he had his binoculars figuring we'd be so far back, he wouldn't be able to see anything. And we were in the second row. And um, that was that was like six months, seven, eight months before he died. So I was so glad that we got to do that. That was so cool. It was. It really was. Mm-hmm. I, Ms. I Jean, thank you for your call. We okay. appreciate it. All right. Take care. Excellent. Everybody. Yep. Miss Marianne. We have Jane. Jane. Yes, Jane. Got her open mic. Honest, she was there just a moment ago. Unmute yourself. Before she comes on, let me just say she went away. We did a lot of ice skating in the winter and sledding and stuff too. We used to have ice skating rinks in our own backyards. Yeah, I believe that. And you were good at ice skating, huh? I was. Uh, yeah, I never uh, had the ankles for it. I just I, I did. I was, I I was yeah. I mean, I was hoping, I was hoping it was the blindness thing, but you guys are telling me it's not. I, 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 I actually, I actually skinned my ankles ice skating repeatedly. I, that's exactly <laughs> me. I, I just didn't have the kind of balance at all. No, I had real good balance in those days, mm. and I was I couldn't roller skate too well, but I was a real good ice skater. No, nope, not okay, at all. Okay, I'll let Jane talk. Jane is not here. She's oh, I thought disappeared. Yeah, but we have other people. Okay. So nice. we have Lisa Brooks. Hey, Miss Lisa. Lisa. Brooks. You, can, you oh. can unmute Lisa. Talk about a person living in the hot zone. Yeah, she can tell us about Phoenix. <laughs> you can unmute Lisa. People are having trouble. Yeah, it can happen. Okay, well, we'll Lisa, when you get back there, we'll we have fifteen. Um, I'm sorry, five hundred one area code nine seven ending in nine seven four. You may unmute. It's Peter. No. No, it's um from Arkansas. Yep. Hi there. 
from Jacksonville, Arkansas, even. Yeah, I was gonna say. Area code 501, you may unmute. I Ms. think Zoom Petrie, is behaving, behaving very badly um, because they're all on, you know, okay. their permission has been granted. There, we got a voice. There you go. I Hello. Was, yes, yes. I was finishing some dinner. Okay, well, there we are. <laughs> okay. But, um, okay, camping in the summer when I was a kid, I went to one mm -hmm. of those Christian record things from the time I was 14 through um, the year I was 17. Nice. And I didn't really care for the food because, you know, they're vegetarian and they don't, you know, they don't eat meat. They'll eat yep. dairy, but they don't eat meat. And, of course, some of their belief system was, you know, out there. We'll just say it mm -hmm. nicely. It was a little out there, but I participated in their worship, you know, because, mm -hmm. you know, we were asked to. Mm -hmm. Um but they did offer other activities, you know, like um, camp canoeing and swimming. And they had water skiing, but you had to be able to be a good swimmer to water ski. But they take us down to this one lodge that um, um, I said, well, what do they do uh, the rest of the summer? You know, some people would sign up to go to that lodge, you know, that were because you know, that camp was also used by um, sighted children as well. <clears throat> Uh -huh. Not just um, blind children, and um, and I liked being down at that lodge. It was kind of fun, uh -huh. and they had games, things to do at nighttime when we weren't out on the lake in the daytime. And when I I slept out in a Conestoga wagon, and it was kind of cool, you know, just break up the routine a little bit. I guess no, I've not we done that. Sure. That would have been fun. Would have yeah. enjoyed that. They. Guess they they decided we were mature enough to be able to um, do that. Now sometimes we had to tell. Um, one time we told one of the Christian record people uh, to tell the counselors to stop hovering over us like we were little children. I mean they had a rope out in front of our cabin that we could follow it all the way to the bathroom. That's what it was for. Mm -hmm. We didn't need them to take us to the bathroom in the middle of the night. We could, you know, put our hand on that rope and trail it. Because, you know, if you went to a school for the blind, you were taught to trail the wall. Sure are. Before you even learned to use the cane. So, therefore, we knew how to do that. Mm -hmm. So, um, what have you been doing with your with your summers lately, Miss Teresa? Anything okay. Anything special? Well... I didn't get to go in person this year, rats, <laughs> but I hope maybe to come to your neck of the woods next summer. Uh-huh. So that convinced, I hope there's as many fun things to do in Jacksonville, Florida, as there were in Chicago. Um, yeah, we're hoping so. Yeah, and um, in 2003, my family and I went to a Boy Scout camp called Philmont in New Mexico. Nice. And they had things for, um, they had classes for adults who were um, involved in the scouts. Uh, they had stuff for children, both boys and girls. And then uh -huh. the rest of the adults who were not involved in, you know, necessarily involved in scouts, you could pick activities that you wanted to do. And as they said, you can choose to do something or you can sit in your tent and read. <laughs> well, nice. I could I could sit at home and read if I wanted to do that. So exactly. I chose, you know, I found something to do 
And I think, now I'm not going to, I'm not, don't hold me to this, but I think I was the only blind person there. But what That's really, pretty cool. but what really amazed them, quote unquote, you know, mm-hmm. I hate to use that word, but yeah. there was this um, um, hike that some people were doing called Lover's Leap. Uh-huh. It was pretty steep. And I went on that hike. They um, got these two um, young males to, um, that were like explorer guides or something, explorer scouts. Uh-huh. And they, uh, no, they were park rangers. That's what, that's what they were. And they um, accompanied me. And, you know, and I did not fall, nor did I fall off the side of the mountain either. But I did not <laughs> fall at all. Well, we're glad That's that great. neither of those things happened, Mr. <laughs> Adam. And um, and they were like, they were like, I heard you hiked up on Lover's Leap. That's so cool. <laughs> well, you know, I, I did. My feet work. <laughs> Maybe my eyes didn't, but my feet work. Yep. Well, that's Miss Teresa. Um, yep. Well, I wanted to say yep. when when I was younger and I had a little tiny bit of vision. Um, very very bright sunny days in the summer gave me trouble too. My favorite time was um, in the evening around um, seven o'clock or so, as the sun, or maybe eight o'clock, as the sun was beginning to sink. I could see outlines of the swing sets in the backyard. And my summer task, uh, when I was like 11 years old, my family bought a swing set. And it was really for my younger sister, but they knew I would enjoy it too. And so my task was to go out and sit with her while she. And I swing, and we had a you know pretty good time. How cool That's is that, Miss Teresa? Thank you for your call. Okay. Excellent. We we have Lisa again. Lisa, okay, you may unmute. There you are. Hey. So Hi. yeah, I, I had to go Lisa. away and come back. <laughs> Um, So, yeah, living here in Arizona, we definitely hibernate this time of year. Um, Mm -hmm. But the thing I wanted to to mention that I don't think I've heard anybody say anything about is climbing trees. Um, Yeah. So I was very fortunate. I'm the baby of the family uh, that I lived with. um, And I had two older brothers. And my middle brother was, this is going to make sense in a minute, but the, the brother in the middle was kind of clumsy and he was always getting hurt. And, um, but the older brother was really adventurous and he would do things without my mother knowing, like teach me how to ride a bike. And we're, we're all a year oh. apart. Um, so pretty close in age. And one day my older brother got the idea that he would decide that he decided he, that I should learn how to climb trees. So he, he taught me how to climb a tree. He would say, okay, reach up to the right and grab that, you know, branch and then move your foot, you know, whatever. And he gave me these yep. directions and it was so exciting <laughs> and it was so much fun. And I kept going higher and higher. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh my God, I'm climbing a tree. And my middle, the brother in the middle had like broken his arm from climbing a tree. (laughs) And you had to get down. And yeah. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm really scared. I can't move anymore. And it was, it was the funniest. I mean, it's funny now um, because I don't know how he did it, but he actually carried me down off of the tree (laughs) 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 because I scared myself into being scared because I really wasn't until I thought about it. but and he was also the brother that uh took me out driving when i turned 
16. <laughs> nice. Um, nice, nice, nice. So, but yeah, yeah, climbing trees was a lot of fun. And, and, and um, also, you know, just kids can get up to mischief. And, and for one weekend, we went to visit um, my grandparents, who we didn't see very often. And we divided up into a t- um, two against two, me and my middle brother against my older brother and our aunt, who was about our same age. And we nice. decided we were going to have a dirt fight. <laughs> and so we start slinging dirt at each other. And I'm, I'm terrible. I, I'm a terrible thrower. And I, I, I kind of feel bad for my middle brother because <laughs> we they were older and we were out. We were out dirted. Um, but it was I, I think about it now. And I just think it's so funny because when we came home, my mother was like, what were you guys doing? You're so dirty. And she started to brush out my hair and she said, look, and she grabs my hand and she puts it in her lap that she'd made like an apron. And there was a big, huge pile of dirt that had fallen from my hair that she brushed. And it was just the funniest thing ever. Um, So anyway, those are my funnest memories of the fact that kids and, you know, my kids, um, they were... (laughs) You know, they they tried to. I caught them trying to steal my brown sugar at one point because they wanted to make castles in the backyard. Nice. And they tried to make a pulley with a jump rope and a bicycle, um, to like Real. go up and down the slide right. the wrong way. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> now, did you go to camp when you were growing up, Lisa? Uh, we had a camp at school. Um, that was the current ed- environmental educational program. Um, and it was in the springtime and we would go mm-hmm. for four days and, you know, they would teach you, you'd go to the ocean and you'd learn about an- anemones and, um, you know, lots of hiking and, and, um, one of the guys would bring an owl and we actually could pet a real live owl very carefully um, which is very cool. So they, they did a really good job. Um, and that was kind of a, you know, that was like a once a year thing that, that our whole, um, I was a resource kid. So, um, yep. there was a group of us, um, that would go every year that we're in that group. Um, and then when I was in a, so no, when I was a kid, there was a seventh day Adventist summer camp. I don't remember what it was called, but I remember being a little kid and a man came to our house. I don't know how he got our name, (laughs) but he came to our house and invited me to come to this camp. Um, And I think I I enjoyed it. I probably would have enjoyed it if I had been a little older, but um, I missed my mommy um, because I was, (laughs) I don't know, maybe, maybe 10 or 11. And yep. (laughs) <laughs> I was young, um, but I do remember they did a talent show and they had, they would do these games and things and, and I didn't want to volunteer cause I was, you know, um, yep. thinking that I couldn't participate cause they'd probably, mm-hmm. I, you know, being a little kid and being around right. a bunch of sighted people, sighted kids, right. I didn't think that they would have games that I could play. Um, so I, so it took me a while to figure out, wait a minute, these are all like, you know, and it would be things like people would stand in line and they would have to eat a bunch of crackers and then they would have to try and like the first person who could whistle or something. I mean, they were yep. just kind of these, these different kind of games. And I'm like, 
hey, these are kind of stuff I could do. <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, it was, it was, it was a fun experience. I probably would have, but like I said, I probably would appreciate it if I'd been maybe a little bit older. Um, yep. So, yeah. Thanks. So summer in Phoenix this year, does it, did you think of anything that, that kind of points at the future in terms of where things are going? Um, well, you know, I think we broke a record last month for having the most days over 110 degrees. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think, um, you know, just knowing that it's probably just going to continue to get hotter and hotter and, yep. you know, thinking about how we're going to have to deal with that at some point, yeah. um, you know, down Did the road and just being aware of it. It, it didn't affect the way you you spent this summer so much, though. No, it probably has motivated us more because our pool is broken right now. So we <laughs> haven't had the luxury of being able to swim. Got it. Uh, yep. Unless we find a friend. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but but we used to love um, swimming at night um, yep. Yep. because that was a lot of fun. And um, so we're hoping that, you know, we can sort of get that rectified at some point in the future so we can swim again because yes. that's the only pleasant thing about being outside um, exactly. at night when it's the lowest it gets is like 90 degrees at yep. 10 o'clock at night mm. oh, Lisa, thank you so I much for your call thanks for having me yep we have yeah. Diane Scalzi you wouldn't love that huh Brian hey Miss mm -hmm. Diane no. Diane, you know, they say, unmute? but it's dry heat. No, yeah. so it's the difference between oven or a sauna. Exactly. What they I'll all take say. A sauna. Hello, Miss Diane from Michigan, I think. Diane, you may unmute. <clears throat> she must have taken a break as well. She's been up a while. Well, we have Albert. Hey, Albert. Could be Anderson from Chicago. Albert, you may, may unmute. I'm unmuted. There you are. We there you are. Beautiful. Now here, um, one one thing I remember, um, my mother would take me outside with a plastic bat and ball. Take mm -hmm. the ball to me, toss it, and, 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 and say, hit, it, just as the ball was getting to me. So I developed a home run swing. Uh, well, that's pretty impressive. That experience. And um, at the School for the Blind, in the, on the warmer days, uh, there was a way that we found to play. There was a building with a wall. Uh, and a sidewalk next to it, and on the other side of the walk, a gutter. And so uh, this was the same way with playing with a bat and ball. The batter would kneel in the with yeah, in, kneel in the gutter with their feet on the wall on the opposite side and their knees on the walk. The nice. pitcher would go with the ball about three windows back, sit down nice. or kneel down and roll the ball uh, toward the other end. And uh, if you were the batter, you had to listen for the rolling ball and time your mm -hmm. swing. You might say two-dimensional baseball. 
Uh, what was that? Yeah. That, that was what you might say. And, but uh, the only problem is someone always had to be the catcher and make sure if of if course the, yeah if, and, if and, the and and i bet you guys usually use somebody who had some vision to be uh, the catcher that was a good idea yes because if the if the <laughs> ball got away if the ball got away there were a few steps it, it could it could bounce down and then roll away and it, it 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 could take a little while to you know pick the ball back up right you know and that but uh then too um up in wisconsin during my childhood years we had a lions camp nice and, uh from the summer when i was nine through the summer when i was uh, 14 i uh, remember going up there for a week and swimming in the lake and learning to learning to uh roll a sleeping bag uh, up and tie it up and all that and sleeping in a tent uh you know and all that and it, yeah it was that was fun hiking uh with mm -hmm. a bunch of kids all hold on holding onto a rope single file you know and that uh wasn't always fun because your heels got stepped on and uh, Ouch. The, you know, the, <laughs> i can imagine that though yeah the food was good <laughs> you mm -hmm. know and all that and so uh mm -hmm. i i'm really very happy to hear that so many of you had fun here in chicago uh, oh, we did during the convention. That's that's so good to hear. And now, um, what's different about this summer? I've got a phone number where I can call to get a weather forecast for the next day or two. And oh, so cool. many days, so many days, they will have on it a uh, weather, an air quality alert mm -hmm. because of what you've already mentioned, the forest fires up there and what i notice most days i don't know how to put it uh it, it's not severe but there is something you can notice yep that's what yep. that's the, exactly what i would say about chicago i think there was mm -hmm. <clears throat> you could tell that something was going on so have you done anything different this summer because of the heat mr anderson um i don't believe i've i've really done anything different but uh there there are some nights when there are free or orchestra concerts downtown in millennium park that's oh, uh, nice. always a nice thing to go uh to because you can bring uh from from a nearby restaurant you can bring a cup of soda to drink and stuff like that and so uh that that's one thing uh for fun how, how cool is that uh, yeah for excellent sure. Mr. Albert, thank you for your call. Welcome, Paul. Excellent. Miss Miss Marianne. We'll see if Diane, are you there yet? Miss Scalzi oh, from Michigan. Wait, Diane, are you there? Oh, I finally got there the you signal. Are. There you are. There I you don't are. know what's I don't know what's going on with Zoom, but yeah, anyway. It's very bad tonight. Um well, let's see. Uh, first of all, it just so happens that um, I went to up to Camp Wapanaki the first year that Jean did. And so, cool. you know, we hung out together up there. And my favorite activities were um, music and uh, boating. They taught us how to row and campcraft. And that's where 
they um, helped us to cook up hot dogs and another time scrambled eggs. And um, it, it was a lot of fun. And then on um, Sunday nights, they had a council fire. And it was actually a fire and we'd all, you know, sit around it and they'd um, hand out all the badges that people had earned. I earned three badges that summer and they were in boating and campcraft. <laughs> um, I wasn't too good in the athletics or the swimming or any of that other stuff. And I definitely didn't take a 50 mile hike. I but, get that. But you didn't, you, I didn't had, get uh, a, you didn't get a music badge. They didn't, I don't think they had a music badge. If, if they had, I would have tried to get it, you know, there um, you go. but anyway, uh, we also one night to entertain everybody, we put on a performance of Alice's adventures in wonderland <laughs> And oh, that's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, and uh, then a, 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 on a couple other summers, uh, the Niagara Falls Lioness Club sent some of us to a day camp run by the Niagara Falls YMCA. It was called Camp Niowai. And uh, I really enjoyed that too. I, I stayed. When I was going there, I stayed with my grandmother. Uh, they didn't have anything on weekends, so I always went I went home on the weekends, but then, you know, stayed with her the rest of the time and um, took a bus every day to and from the camp. And it was just it was just, you know, very cool. They did have an overnight one night. They always had parents night and they'd invite the parents and all the different you know, mm -hmm. all the different groups would um, perform for the parents. And then, um, you know, we got to stay overnight and have breakfast the next day and, you know, finish, finish out the day of camp. And mm -hmm. yeah, it, it, it was fun. Um, so those are, you know, those are the best memories that, that I had. Um, as far as, as far as lately, um, for the past several summers, I went to my um, school alumni association reunion, and I saw Jean there too. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also had family up there at the time, and and I, you know, so I'd spend some time with them before I flew home, and that was always Excellent. a lot of fun. My. Uh, I only have a, I have a sister up there, but I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how close we are at this point. You know, she always wants me to text her when I, when I want to talk to her on the phone and, uh, you know, I can't just call her and she answers. So that's bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a growing thing these days. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Know, family. Yeah. There's, there's so much family stuff that, that goes on. It's kind of sad. Um, but at least we are talking now for several years, we weren't talking. So, you know, oh, I think that we've made some progress. Um, so have you done anything unusual this summer because of the heat, Miss Diane? We haven't had it really hot up, you know, here in Michigan, especially the last couple, you know, it's been pretty rather cool. Um, nice. I just stay in with the air. You know, if it gets too mm -hmm. hot, I stay in with the central air. That's what I do. Uh, I don't, I don't know what you call that me. unusual. 
Um, I did enjoy the convention, of course. This year I didn't go to the reunion because I went to the convention. And, uh, you know, it was wonderful and had a chance to, to meet a lot of good people, Paul, including you, and I think exactly. Brian also. Yep. So, yeah. You know, the one of my favorite memories of this summer, of course, was the convention as a whole. I mean, everything pales in comparison to that. I got to eat a $120 Chicago dog. Yep. Did you? Whoa. <laughs> it only cost $120 and about seven, maybe eight hours of time. My sister and I went to downtown Chicago because we were going to eat our way through Chicago-type food. Uh, and mm. my, my sister cited, and we took paratransit downtown. took us three hours to get there. Uh, and got a Chicago dog. And by then, we were so exhausted that we pretty much turned around and came back again. So it was the, the cost of the Uber ride coming back eighty dollars. The cost the, um, the traffic the was hot, terrible. We went on oh, that riverboat cruise. Yep, we went on was, that Michigan cruise, and it took us mm -hmm. forever to get there on the bus. I think we yeah. must have left during rush hour or something. I think that Chicago is a rush hour. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was truly, truly amazing. And you know how mm -hmm. paratransit vehicles tend to not be the world's finest in terms of their um, <sighs> newness and quietness and well, yeah. quietness and, yeah. and yeah. yeah, air conditioning we working. Bounced the whole distance with every pothole that Chicago had to offer. We <laughs> hit those potholes. Oh God, it was terrible. But but it's a fond memory now that they now that I've healed. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I I do very much enjoy the summer because there's many more opportunities to meet up with people. I think mm -hmm. that's one of the best benefits. I'm curious. Uh, one of the things I, I am I'm never a sunbather. The idea of laying out in the sun to get a tan does not appeal to me in any way, shape, or form. So I'm always looking for the shade. Is there a technique that blind people can use to figure out where the hell the shade is? I ask people. Yeah, that's about all you can do, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I, you know, think, I think you can. You can tell by yeah. the by the feeling of the sun. Sometimes, if it's oh sure, you can walk shade. around until you come across. Oh wait, it's right over here. Bring right. an exactly. umbrella. But yeah, th there's the that's the answer, Marianne. There you go. Bring your own shade. Then you know where it is. <laughs> anyway, thanks for uh, letting me in here, and I'm glad I was finally able to come on. <laughs> us well, too. We appreciate the call. Believe me. <laughs> thanks for joining us, Miss Diane. Sandra has her hand up. Hello. Hello can there. you all hear me? Hello, Sandra. Hi, Hi Brian. Hey. Um. So my fondest memories, I used to go as a kid to the Florida Lions camp, okay? And nice. it was fabulous. From when I was six to when I was 12, we, we had a ball. Um, activities of daily living, swimming. But the fondest memory I have, one of my friends, she was a partial. And she was busy telling me how I could not steer a canoe 
because I was a total, right? So, uh-huh. okay, we're canoeing along and all of a sudden she crashes into my canoe, right? And of course, I'm like, oh, so that's what you call better? I couldn't have done worse than that if I had tried. And you could see. Exactly. <laughs> it was so, but but the funny part, I laughed at her so hard that I ended up falling out of the canoe, right? <laughs> Isn't that great? Isn't that great? And I, was tr- I kept trying to sort of hoist myself back into the canoe, and it wasn't working because every time I get halfway in the boat, I start laughing again, and so I hit the water. And finally, the counselor was like, look, no, just hold on to the side because you're not going to capsize the whole boat. OK, hold on to the side. We'll 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 roll you in and then you can just get in. So um, <laughs> that is is one of my fondest that and um, the day before one year, the day before I was going to go to summer camp, um, my cousin uh-huh. and I were racing down this hill that was almost vertical right on our bikes. I was winning the race, except that I swerved a little bit and flipped over the cliff, right? Whoops. <laughs> right. Now, I'm not angry because I'm hurt. I'm mad because I wrecked my bike. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so my, my mom says, okay, look, 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 in the future, can you please not do this before the day before you go to summer camp. Cause now I've got to try to explain to the camp counselors that I didn't beat you, but you were racing mm. your cousin down a vertical hill and you fell over a cliff. Right. <laughs> uh, Bumps and bruises of childhood. Yes. Fortunately, the director was my preschool teacher, so she knew me. And so it wasn't a problem. Um, but in terms of just, um, what am I doing differently? Nothing. Um, uh-huh. I have air. I have central air, and I avail myself of it every day. That is what uh-huh. I do. Yeah, that makes sense. One, so you know, I've got the swimming pool in my backyard, and it get not used anywhere near as much as it should since we got central air. Now, it's not so hot that you want to go swimming if you're sitting in your living room, and it's. A nice, even, cool temperature. Uh, Not I to think mention that, that has done chlorine. Me. Chlorine and my hair don't get along. So, no, I'm not trying <laughs> to go anywhere. Yeah. Well, I have a saltwater pool in, in my backyard, so you'd be okay with my pool. Paul, water, hear me. Water and my hair do not get along. Now I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I think it's the the whole water thing. It's the whole water thing. No. There you go. There you go. Unless it is being washed, no water comes near my hair. Thank you. (laughs) I don't blame you a bit. So a woman who takes um, pride in her hair. That's right. And and deservedly too. Yes. So um at um, the 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 summer camp that you went to is over in Lake Wales, and and how long did you stay there? Two weeks, or usually? yes, yep, two weeks, yep, 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 yep. yep. And and went on my first roller coaster there. We went to um, Circus World. Nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's fun. Yes, it's fun. That that camp is closed now. Um, has been for the past 10 or 15 years, unfortunately. 
that sort of true truly, bad. Yes, because you know what? I Two things I'll say. One is I made lifelong friends there. Um, I have one of my friends. Uh, she's a year younger than me. I taught her shoes, and we've been friends ever since. Um, mm-hmm. And it just, it, it, it actually, it also planted the seed for me to come to conventions because what I like most is that nobody was ever picked on because we couldn't see. And so mm-hmm. when I found convention where one week out of every year, I am an overwhelming majority, you know, it, it reminds yep. me of summer camp. Yeah. Yep. It's, it, it's, it's nice to be in a place where, where you're in the majority rather than the minority, huh? Yes, 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 yes. Yes, it is. It is. Miss Sandra, thank you so much for your call. Join us more often when you can. I shall. All right. Make it happen. That's good. That's good. Anyone else, Miss Marianne? Jean has her hand up again. Brian, I just wanted to tell you that there was a place near the hotel that had those Chicago hot dogs. Oh, I know it. I I don't know where it was. The idea was I wanted to go downtown. Oh, I I thought... We're, yeah. we're in Schomburg, okay. right? I wanted yeah. to go downtown. I didn't want to go there a second time. Because, <laughs> oh yes, God. you could have got, I went to the same place downtown as was close to the hotel. Oh, oh, and, oh you know, that uh, reminds me of a funny story. When we were in Louisville, one of the times, a whole bunch of us went out to dinner. And, and I had never had Krispy Kreme donuts. And I knew... I, uh, we asked the, the cab driver and he said there was one. He told us where it was. And so we went there and I was trying to pick out donuts and everything. And I, I was with Leroy Saunders. He went in with me and he was getting so frustrated with me. And we got to the cab and got in. And then we realized we left one of the bag of donuts in the, in the store. So we had to go back <laughs> and it cost us a fortune. I don't know. Cause of course the meter was running the whole time. And the, the, the guy in the store gave us a donut to give to the cab driver and everything. So we got back. That was the years I was working in the convention office, and I said I got donuts for us all for the, at, for the convention office tomorrow. And then somebody told me there was a Krispy Kreme a block and a half from the hotel. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, a lot of fun things. Yeah. <clears throat> and and, and I, you guys were talking about avoiding the sun. I used to love the sun. I used to get so burned because I never tanned. And I wanted everybody to know I'd been out in the sun, so I'd get these really, really bad <laughs> So I can't tell you how many um, times I've had to go for most surgery now that I'm an adult. I'm paying for all those sunburns. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, Me I too. Yeah. Paul, Paul knows that situation. Yep. I can't stand I the sun anymore. So. Yep. Anyway, those Chicago hot dogs were good. I ordered they were two good. from the cafe for lunch one day. And I went into exhibits to work the MMS booth, and Sharon Lovering came along, and she said, "Gee, I got you a hot dog." <laughs> <laughs> no, who <cool> was that? <laughs> so there you go. I anyway. also had a lovely, uh, what do they call it, Italian beef sandwich, right? Uh, and I've never had a sandwich where they, where the common thing was to take the sandwich and dip it, totally submerge it in gravy. At the time that you purchase it, oh, I, God, sounds that messy. sounds so disgusting, doesn't it? Sounds messy. <laughs> it was that's a, for sure. It was a tasty, tasty item, but I got mine with the uh, dip on the side. I think I would have. Yeah. 
I think that's a very sensible <laughs> thing, Mr. Uh, Brian. The other one's oh, a little crazy. Yes. Yep. Miss Jean, thank you. All right. Talk to you guys later. Yep. Now, going to restaurants while at the convention, mm -hmm. uh, we, we always make a real point of trying to get out of that hotel environment and to local restaurants. Uh, one of the good memories of things was uh, we tried to go to a Mexican restaurant every year. Uh, mm -hmm. This year we didn't uh, because some of us <clears throat> went <laughs> before the others had actually arrived at the convention mm -hmm. and warned us off because it was going to be very, very noisy. Uh, it's, it was noisy. And also, I, I wasn't there. It was the night before I got there. But I also understand it was not it was the it air was quality not as was good. Bad. Yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah. So well, yeah. Nonetheless, I, I I miss that. One of my favorite uh, tales about going to a restaurant was uh, I can't even remember which convention it was to be honest with you, but I ended up hanging out with um, people twenty years my junior at the time. Uh, and I was all about technology, and so I was using GPS to find the restaurant we were going to. So fine, put in the address, and uh, everybody was following me, and it was me, one other guy, and five women going to out to dinner together. And we get to the place we wanted to be, and we there's a lot of people outside. Uh, it was one of those kind of outdoor mall situations. So we sent one of the young ladies in to uh, see about getting uh, a reservation or how long the wait would be. And she came back and she was furious because I had sent her into Hooters. And we were trying to go to a barbecue joint. But it turned out the GPS didn't respect the idea that Hooters was first floor. And the barbecue place was second floor. But she was so mad, she thought I had uh, pulled a dirty trick on her uh, in doing that. Nowadays, people don't get so worked up over Hooters, do they? I don't think so, but I, I but I don't think I don't think Hooters has a reputation of of being a place where you go if you're looking for fine dining. No, not it, the plot. You think barbecue was yeah. fine dining? No, 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 no. Yeah, but but the the scenery in the fine dining barbecue was not quite the same. <laughs> not as the, the same, scenery no. that was available in uh, That's Hooters. True. That's right. That's right. So, ladies and gentlemen, about... thank you for oh, joining yeah, us in our summer time. foray. Um, <laughs> we we have certainly enjoyed it. We've strayed far and wide from our topic. Um, <laughs> next next week on Tuesday Topics, we are going to be talking about radio. Um, how important is radio to blind people? Has the importance of radio changed? Um, how important was it to you when you were growing up? We hope that lots of you will join us to tell us about your radio experiences and how important radio was in your life. And we look forward to seeing loads of you next Tuesday at 7 p.m. when Tuesday Topics once more hits the airwaves. 
in the meantime, on behalf of Marion and Brian and Rick and the rest, good night.